Tonight's Game of Thrones recap is sponsored by Plated.com. Anybody who knows me knows that I take planning out my meals very seriously. By the time I finish lunch, I already know what I'm going to be eating for dinner. Plated.com has the meal kits for people who love food. Each week, they've got 15 chef-designed recipes to choose from. This week, we're going to be trying out Italian burgers with fresh mozzarella and tomato corn salad and a steak Caesar salad. Plated recipes are inspired by cuisines from around the globe like Malaysian fish curry and lamb shakshuka from Morocco. Not only does Plated do all the grocery shopping and send you the exact amounts of each ingredient, they're sourcing quality ingredients. Artisanal mayo, they've got that and it even comes in its own glass jar. Think about how much fun hot pie gets to have in the kitchen. You can too. Discover your ideal dinner experience. Go to plated.com slash post to get 50% off your first plated box. That's 50% off for a limited time only. Terms apply. See plated.com slash post for details. That's at plated.com slash post. Game of Thrones Season 7, Episode 4 is over, but we're just getting started here on Game of Thrones Live, the post-show recap. And now, here are the two guys who hope that you had the common decency to not listen to the hacked and uploaded version of this podcast over the weekend. I'm Rob Sister, and here is Antonio Mazzaro filling in for Stephen Fishback. Oh, Antonio, Rob, you just how are you? Just call me Plan C, if that's all right. Just call me Plan C. Uh, yeah, no, I'm here. I, hadn't, I didn't listen to that hacked audio. I heard it was in uh, standard definition, that audio. Yes, and we appreciated people waiting to listen to the fully mastered and mixed version of the audio. Also problematic, I believe the transcript of the deep dive with Josh Wiggler for tomorrow has also leaked. We ask that you don't read that and wait for us to record that podcast and of course uh the feedback show coming up uh later on this week where we'll answer your questions alex kidwell joining me on the feedback show of well so it's a cast of thousands on the game of thrones post show recap this week but a lot to discuss tonight antonio are you burnt out <laughs> burnt out burnt up no no rob i'm good i'm gonna take a nice leisurely stroll in a in a lake or a pond of some sort hopefully i'll feel better at the end yeah well, we've got a lot of stuff to get to, and uh, we are here in Be Live. We are on our Facebook page, so you can go ahead and post your comments. And so uh, there you go. A lot of people are just talking about how do you get sound on the Facebook page. So uh, riveting stuff happening already, Antonio. <laughs> We're off to a blazing start, Rob. Yeah. All right. But we have a lot to uh, get to, of course. Uh, if you want to make sure you don't uh, miss our deep dive podcast or our voicemail show coming up later on this week, you can subscribe to our iTunes channel at posterrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. And I am on the road uh, this week, Antonio, and I am here in my uh, wonderful in-laws basement. Is that the King's Road? Much. Yes, this is where I do all of my mining for Dragonglass down here. <laughs> I'm sure your in-laws appreciate that. I'm sure that goes over like a lead balloon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we got a lot of stuff to uh, get to tonight. Antonio, how have you been since we've uh, last spoken on our Better Call Saul post show recaps? You know, Rob, I've been great. I've just been kicking it on an island uh, just uh, shortly or uh, short distance away from my regular home, just plotting out my next move to podcast here at Post Show Recap. So I'm happy to be here now. Clever moves or just uh, just going all full dragon? I guess we'll by the end of this podcast, we'll know for sure, won't we? <laughs> Okay. All right. So we got a lot of stuff to get to tonight, but I guess we have to start off with a bit of a cliffhanger. And first off, fantastic episode. Those last 20 minutes were just uh, edge of your seat. No taking notes glued to the screen during all of that. But I felt like that we ended the episode on a little bit of a cheap note on the Jamie Lannister cliffhanger death. I feel like that Game of Thrones is above this sort of thing. No way Jamie Lannister is dead, right? This isn't The Walking Dead. I'd, I'd, hate, I'd love to be able to argue a counterpoint to you, Rob, but there's no way this guy's dead. I saw a dumpster at the bottom of that lake. Uh, yeah, he's got plot armor. I mean, I know he didn't look like he was wearing it in that scene, but yeah, he's, he hasn't had any more scenes with Cersei. He hasn't had his big confrontation with Tyrion. If you're going to kill Jamie Lannister in that way, why don't you just have the dragon burn him up? Yeah. I mean, that was a fantastic episode. 
You get 59 minutes right out of 60. Why are we wasting time with a cliffhanger that people have to, uh, like uh, Josh Wiggler has to write a, uh, a piece as Jamie Lannister, Dead or Alive? Clicks, baby. Clicks. That's why. Yeah, I know. It was pretty cheap, Rob. For who? For Game of Thrones? Why would they do this? <laughs> it's, it's the secondary economy. that they're, they're thinking of the small folk, Rob. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm glad we're not going to spend too much time. I'm glad we're on the same page. Jamie Lannister, clearly alive. But what I wanted to ask you is, what happens now? What? He comes up out of the water. There is a dragon there that wants to kill him. So how's he going to get out of it, at least? Is he going to be a prisoner? I, am, I don't know. I mean, is there some metaphor for Jamie Lannister underneath the water? Is this like Skylar White going underneath the water? Yes, he's slowly descending in because he's had enough of all this. Now that he finally got burned up by the uh, Walter White Walkers. No, uh, I don't I don't think there's a really a metaphor in this. I just think that it was, uh, as you point out, a little bit of a cheap ending. I guess they got to get as much mileage out of they can as they can in these final season, in these final episodes here to try to build a little bit of drama because we're really building to these big things that haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And so they got to find ways to put that into the story somehow. But yeah, you're right. That was pretty cheap. I don't want to get too hung up on this because again, it, this was a amazing episode yes. and a fantastic scene with Daenerys and the dragons and Everything that went on in that battle of the uh, Dothraki versus the Lannister forces, uh, really one of the best Game of Thrones battle scenes. You feel like you've seen it all on this show. And then we get Dothraki fighting Lannister soldiers and dragons. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like we actually get to see a dragon like really in full force with Daenerys riding Drogon burning everything up in sight. We really get to see what that looks like. And I mean, if you're a fan of the books, a fan of the show, you've been waiting for this for a really long time. We've seen the dragons wrecking stuff left and right. I mean, this harkens back to the famous uh, killing the masters moment uh, with Daenerys dropping the whip ultimately and burning the guy, having the dragon burn the guy up. But this is a whole other thing entirely. This is like napalm dragon. And we have not seen anything like this on the show. So it was really really awesome i don't know about you rob but huge pops at my house yeah, during i love the scene. smell of napalm dragon in the morning now antonio can you give us an update on drogon what is the condition of drogon is he just wounded do you think that is he mortally wounded i don't think so it looked like it sh- he was shook rob he was definitely shook uh, we had a falling drogon there for a moment but i think that it looked like it just hit him in the uh, the little the coupling with the shoulder the rotator cuff there rob so maybe he's gonna go on the dl for a while but he's gonna be back at it i think the, this they solution is you got to shoot him in the head got to yep. shoot him in the head that's really seems like easier said do. than done antonio but those rotator cuffs are tricky i have seen a lot of people uh miss the whole season with the rotator cuff issue and johan santana was never the same after that so i really think you gotta watch out with that drogon santana yeah i didn't mean to trigger you with all the mets fandom rob i'm sorry to mention pitching injuries yeah what a huge night for Braun to come back. Uh, we hadn't seen him at all. And here he was, uh, really got a bulk of the screen time tonight. He did. And did you think for a minute that we might be seeing the end of Braun? I, I thought we were building to that. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that we are in the point in the game where we are losing the sort of like second tier players with all due respect to uh, Braun of the Blackwater. And I felt like that this is like, oh, this will be a good spot to lose Braun. Really surprised that he ends up walking away from this. Yeah, I mean, the fact of the matter is the whole episode, Bron and Jamie are kind of going back and forth about what Jamie's going to owe Bron now that all when all of this is over, because he took Bron out of the castle with Lolly Stokeworth or the, the the plan that Bron had to ascend there. And he's dragged Bron out to the road. He's paying him gold. I, they're going to have to give Bron King's Landing at the end of this, aren't they, Rob? Well, I thought that it was, you know, a interesting uh, depiction with all of the conversation that Jamie and Bron have had over the years about what you're going to owe me, what castle you're going to owe me, and how much uh, how much debt Braun or how much debt Jamie is into Braun. And then as soon as all of the crap started going down with the Dothraki, those gold coins spilled out of the bag. And they were very much secondary tonight, Antonio. Yeah, it, I mean, honestly, when a dragon is bearing down on you and fire is all around you, those gold coins really don't matter. So it will be interesting. I mean, it, I think that was Bron, right? That saved Jamie's life. It looked like somebody rode up on the horse that Bron was probably eyeing. So this is just added to the list. And we know a Lannister always pays his debts. So Bron's really going to get some, he's going to get paid, Rob. He's going to get that big second yeah. contract. There, there's some people in the chat speculating that maybe that wasn't Bron. Is it possible that was Dickon? 
It, it could be. That's <laughs> a funny name. Uh, it could be. It could be. Could have been Dickon, I suppose. We already did see Dickon save Jamie once, so it's not without the realm of possibility that it was Dickon. But uh, I think we saw Braun eyeing a horse right before that moment. I'll have to go back and rewatch it, but I think Braun looks aside, sees a horse there, and then the next thing we see is the showdown with Jamie, and I think Braun rides up on a horse and saves Jamie. I think it could have been Dickon, though, yeah, I suppose. But Antonio... That battle between the Lannisters and the Dothraki was just uh, such an incredible sequence and uh, looked amazing. Uh, what were some of your big takeaways from that battle scene? Well, the the biggest takeaway that I have is something that really I'm not, I'm not sure how much has been talked about, which is once you bring a dragon into this story and you really see a dragon in full force, I'm not sure it, the Dothraki were scaring the Lannister soldiers enough because they've never seen a riding force like the Dothraki. They've never seen these wild horse riders coming in Westeros. It's never happened before. But I mean, dragons in Westeros conquering people has happened before, but not in anyone's lifetime. So just the mere presence of a dragon is really putting the fear of God into people. And that's something to really think of. This was a great display. I mean, hopefully Danny's going to leave some people alive. One of those like tell tell your friends like these dragons, they really have. Mm-hmm. have ability to light you up so that's the thing i you don't even have to use it's it's the threat of a dragon it's almost like a nuclear weapon it's the threat of a dragon that's terrifying more than even the actual dragon at this point because yeah, who do knows you what you see a it. parallel between the use of nuclear weapons and the dragons in this story where we see danny who has the power of these dragons and then we see all of her advisors in Tyrion and in varus and in john snow saying that you know the great ruler isn't going to use these weapons. It's enough to sort of like show that she has them. Uh, she eventually decides to have a demonstration of force out there in the open field against the soldiers, but she sort of refuses to bring these out where any civilians could get hurt. Yeah, Danny Jong Un with her uh, exercise. Yeah, I, I do think I do think that that's possible. Like I think that that's there's a parallel there. I think we already saw a similar parallel with the Children of the Forest creating the White Walkers when they said, "Look, we had to create this weapon because the the first men were killing us, and your people." were killing us so we created this weapon but then as we saw in this episode and i don't want to jump too much around but we saw the the the, the pictures on the cave wall basically the children of the forest had to turn around and work with the first men to keep the white walkers out so it's one of those things where sometimes you create a weapon that's too powerful that using it or it falling into the wrong hands or it turning against you can really be the most dangerous thing and i think the nuclear parallel is certainly there for sure Antonio, Lisa Durko Brandeburg asks us, is all the gold gone? Will Cersei be able to pay the Iron Bank? It seemed as though Randall Tarley said, okay, well, all of the gold is inside King's Landing. But so is that secure or has Danny disrupted the entire supply of all of the spoils of war as the episode's name implies? Yeah, it did sound like the gold made it. It sounded like there was a little bit of a a little bit of line there that probably in hindsight should have tipped us off that something bad was about to happen. Like the gold made it out, but the people and the the food, I think, was the other thing. I think that there was a lot of because they were talking throughout the episode about how they were trying to get these people in line, getting these people to give up their grain, uh, food for the the military forces that are going to be needed to sustain a war. I think that's what was really lost here was the food supplies that they were taking out of High Garden and all of the food from that area to feed their army so some of the gold the gold made it but not all the supplies made it back i think some of the food got burned up for sure hey tony at any point did you think that we were going to lose jamie lannister tonight yeah i mean when Tyrion was watching him and saying ultimately like you you know you idiot like leave you idiot leave i didn't have the time to think about jamie's plot armor i didn't have the time to think about well he hasn't had a final scene with Tyrion. he hasn't ever brought that to bear he hasn't had a final blow off with cersei he hasn't this wouldn't be a good end to his arc i thought he's gonna ride at danny and he's gonna go down so i did for a moment when Tyrion was observing it think this could be the end okay I once he's like riding and trying to charge the dragon, I felt like, okay, this could be it for Jamie Lannister. I really I really did because I felt like that that might be a worthy ending for Jamie Lannister. If, you know, Drogon just roasts him as he's trying to uh, come for Danny, I I could see that. I felt like that that would have been possible. But 
To me, I, I would have bought that more than Braun killing Drogon. Me too. Uh, Braun killing Drogon just didn't seem like something that the story would marry. Not that Braun's not been great, but it's just that's what's going to take. I know you and Steven and Josh have all have all scoffed at the scorpion, the scorpion scoff, uh, and laughed about how this crossbow is going to be the thing. And uh, clearly, I mean, that was a, a fitting end for that crossbow. Yes, it kind of worked a little bit, but it got roasted up in the process. Is this it for the crossbow, Antonio? Do you think that the crossbow still has more work to do? I, in this I think it's it for that crossbow. I mean, we could build, we yes. could build an army of scorpions, I suppose. Uh, and uh, yeah, the winds of change could blow across, across Westeros, Rob. Uh, but yeah, I think that yeah, there was some, uh, there's some proof of concept there, right? Yeah. Like if you're willing to face down a fire breathing menace and try to get a few shots off at it, if you get lucky enough to hit it in the head, yeah, it would work. So maybe the, the solution is build about 40 of those things and try to just take them all down now score a win for danny tonight it's her first of season seven where everything had been coming up cersei how does this change the overall landscape of the targaryen uh, marching army versus what the Lannisters have been able to build. Yeah, this is difficult, right? Because you talk about, I mean, I see a lot of people in the chat talking about, you can build multiple crossbows. That's true. You can build a lot of scorpions, but you have to have people manning them and you have to protect them from soldiers that are coming on the ground. And quite frankly, what we saw is that Dothraki, even without the help of the uh, of the dragon, although the dragon certainly helped, I think the Dothraki were poised to do pretty well in that battle. Abron was saying, before before that anything happened like they're gonna they're gonna envelop us get out of here they're gonna suffocate us so i think the dothraki were proving pretty difficult you throw in the unsullied into that mix and you have the fear of a dragon possibly lurking over the hills at any moment i'm not sure too many people are gonna want to fight for cersei at that point so what is the big question now does danny continue onward to king's landing or does she retreat back to dragonstone yeah, and I think that's the million dollar Jon Snow question. That's the question that Tyrion was asking her to ponder as well. What do you do if you're a ruler? Do you risk yourself? Do you fly? I mean, because the fact of the matter is, Danny almost died. Like, Drogon turns his head at the last second, but if he doesn't turn it in the right time, Jamie could have got that shot in on Daenerys, and that could have been lights out. So she definitely put herself at great risk to do what she did. And I understand the point that she's made about how, look, if I'm not a, I got to fight for my people. Like, I have to, I'm, I'm losing. I have to go do something. But uh, but I, I think that she has to be a little more judicious with what she's doing. And, and as we talked about already, I think this is a very good kind of moment where she can basically say, I can do this anytime I want. Like anytime, anywhere you are, I've got two more of these things. So you want me to fly in and roast you from all directions? I'm happy to do it. So I think now she can take a step back and say, I've shown, I flexed my muscles a little bit, shown my power. Like you're going to, you're going to have to now retreat and reassess. And I think the next step is going to be her figuring out how to maybe win some hearts and minds without any more dragon action. And I think we, we get a little bit of a taste of that uh, in the, the, the next time on uh, without getting too much into that. All right, well, let's talk about what Danny was up to with Jon Snow. Uh, we saw Jon summon Danny to bring her into the Dragonglass mine. And uh, so much Dragonglass, Antonio. They really, they've, uh, they've, they've struck, they've struck it right. <laughs> They really, really have. It's too bad that it only has value as weapons. Uh, they, all, the, all, the, all the places they'll go, Rob, all the things they could make with that dragon glass. But yeah, that was a, that was a pretty great scene. I mean, it was a really cool cave. They were lucky to find that cave. I guess they just... Cool cave. Cool cave. Just started exploring. Jon Snow, uh, he's real successful in caves. He's a real he's big a cave, cave man. He's a cave guy, yeah. He finds, <laughs> uh, he finds many things in caves. And so he's like, us. Oh, good news, I found the dragon glass. And now also, hey, check this out. And he shows Daenerys the drawings and uh, look at this. This look at this. This was the first men and <laughs> the children of the forest. They work together, apparently, according to these cave drawings that I did not just draw in here right. real quick before I dragged you in here. <laughs> right. I expected Danny to just say, is this your handwriting? Like this look, why does this say, why does this have the initials J S at the bottom corner? Like what's going on here? Why, why are you holding a, a white Walker uh, marker in your hand? Yeah. But uh, no, I guess those are original children of the forest cave paintings. I guess they came out to Dragonstone at some point. I'm not sure exactly how they got there. I'm not sure what the, that story is, but supposedly, if Jon Snow is to believe those are original works and not Jon Snow's own handiwork. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you like that explanation of why Daenerys's forces and Jon's forces need to work together? 
I wasn't awful. I mean, the, the thing is, I think John's constantly looking for ways to convince Daenerys that it is important for them to work together as humans against an inhuman force. And his problem, I think, as you and Stephen have talked about extensively, is is being believed. I mean, we saw Davos kind of in mid-sentence put the Roadrunner-style brakes on uh, when he's already over the cliff when he says, you know, he stabbed in the heart. You know, like, John doesn't want all these things out there because the, the hard part of his story is selling her that these things are real. And you wouldn't believe, you wouldn't think that selling somebody who literally birthed dragons out of fire, uh, you wouldn't think that would mm. be hard to sell them. Yeah, there's other magical things happening in the world, but she isn't really concerned with that. She's not been thinking about White Walkers forever. So I do think that this is a, a, an interesting part of his pitch. I'm starting to wonder, though, Rob, and I see a lot of comments about this in the chat room. Is his pitch going to involve more than White Walkers? Is he uh, is he spitting a little game, uh, Jon Snow, to Daenerys? He's taking her by the hand, leading her through a dark, romantic dragon glass cavern. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that the, the show definitely uh, delved in that area for the first time tonight. Uh, we saw Davos asking Jon some questions. Shades of uh, summer loving where he's like, uh, so tell me, did you... Uh, and he was asking, uh, and John sounds like, oh, Davos, we don't have time for that. But I did feel like that the show was opening that door. Hold the door open for that, Antonio. Tell me more. Tell me more. Hold the door. Yeah, that's definitely happening. Uh, and to more, to more. <laughs> Davos, uh, Davos knows. I mean, Davos knows. He knows what's up. And uh, look, you got two really hot people. That that should happen, despite the fact that they're probably related, right, Rob? Like, uh, the, 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 there was definitely, oh, an, definitely there was definitely an uncomfy tone uh, to all of these scenes for sure. Right. Yeah. So. That's a thing. That is that is a thing. Just to go back to the cave drawings explaining stuff. Antonio, was that for you at all uh, a little too lost season uh 6 for you? Yeah, I saw I saw Hurley's name written on the wall down there, Rob. Yeah. I saw a bunch of candidates listed there. Yeah, I, I thought I also heard the music from Jurassic Park at one point. I was like, I've heard that before from somewhere. So I don't know. There's a lot going on there for sure. It was fun. It was, it was there was some overtones of Lost. We've seen the uh, it did look like the Oceanic logo, but I think it's the Children mm-hmm. of the Forest little signature logo. Is that all they can draw, Rob? Yeah, that's all they know how to do. <laughs> Antonio, and then that. also Danny went back to, okay, you need to bend the knee. That, that's really what I need you to do you want me to help you bend the knee john snow's like yeah uh i can't i can't do that everybody will make fun of me if i do that and she's like listen miss andy told me gray worm did it so you need to do it buddy like uh, hey. that's a different kind of knee bending i think that <laughs> yeah. needs to go on here uh yeah, yeah but that we said john snow does his best work in caves so who knows but yeah this is this is they're still at loggerheads over this whole bend the knee thing and ultimately i think danny does observe here that it's pride like there's an element of pride to what's going on here and we shouldn't be worried about being prideful just do it who cares you can work it out with them later you help me all i want to know is that you're not a threat to me that's it just tell me you're not a threat tell me you'll work with me and that's all i need mm-hmm. so we also had another person show up at dragonstone in this episode uh here was theon and you know Jon snow does uh, take theon uh pretty well i thought for a second he was gonna go up and just clock theon but ultimately he says uh look you got sansa out of a uh, a tight jam so i will go ahead and say you now again i get so confused between all of these real stories and fake stories does Jon snow believe that Theon killed, uh, well, no, he saw Rickon, so he, he must not, he doesn't buy that story that Theon killed Bran. Yeah, he's, he doesn't buy that. And he, I think he knows essentially that that at least was part, partly a lie, but Theon still did take and sack Winterfell. And he put a lot of that stuff in motion. He wasn't loyal to the Starks when they probably needed him to be loyal to the Starks. This is somebody who was treated like their brother. I mean, he was raised with them. And for him to turn the, his back on them like that is a pretty dirty move for sure, regardless of whether he killed the boys or not. He killed some boys and he did it in the process of taking down Winterfell. And that led to a whole bunch bunch of other horrible things that happen yeah. for sure. So where do we go next with Jon Snow now being reunited with Theon? 
Theon's goal seems to be to to get Yara back, uh, which is odd because he really just kind of let her go. I know he had some uh, he had some he had some Ramsey PTSD going on there, but uh, but I don't know ultimately if if that's all he's trying to do is get some people to help him get his sister back. That's it. Like that's what he's doing. I Josh has always talked about Josh Wiggler has always talked about how maybe Theon the ultimate end for the Theon story is he goes and takes the black at the Night's Watch, and if that is Mm -hmm. where we're heading with Theon, then bringing him together with John and seeing some sense of selflessness there, uh, maybe that will give Theon an opportunity now to get back in John's good graces, and maybe that will send him north to the wall. I think you also maybe need some way for Jon Snow to get into a battle with Euron somewhere along the way, and maybe Theon is part of what leads Jon Snow into uh, something against Euron, but I guess uh, we'll have to uh, wait and see how that plays out. Anything else with Jon Snow before we go talk about all of the big happenings of Winterfell? It's uh no, I think that it's it is just a, a matter of like he's just killing time at Dragonstone and clearly there are other places that he probably would rather be, but he doesn't have a boat, so I don't know exactly when he's going to leave Dragonstone. Uh Sansa did mention him as we'll talk about, maybe he needs to come meet Arya, but I have no idea what we'll see the rest of this season out of Jon Snow. Is he going to stay at Dragonstone with Danny? He's just going to supervise some mining. Uh is that a, the best use of Jon Snow? I'm not sure. So, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what we what becomes of Jon snow the rest of this season well you know it was a huge night on game of thrones when uh we're you know over 20 minutes into this and we haven't even gotten into Arya stark has returned to winterfell antonio and with uh with certainly with a little bit of gusto uh yeah a great face off with the guards there Arya and soldiers it's a it's an ongoing theme of this season and of seasons past uh relating to these people she's just can't she's not nobody has time for dealing Arya dealing with these uh these just uh foot soldiers these flunkies so yeah that was a really funny way to bring Arya back into Winterfell for sure yeah, Ed Sheeran would have let her right into Winterfell and these guys are really giving her the third degree she's like uh do I have to get my sister involved with this uh, what do you think she's gonna say when she finds out that you uh refused me at the door and then uh, yeah and that old that, that ultimately worked out pretty well for her because they let her in and then she was immediately gone and that aria can disappear at a moment's notice she has ninja powers like i'm not even sure she needed to walk in the front door she probably yeah. could climb well, she didn't tell those guys i'm gonna get in one way or the other so right there you go. right all right, <laughs> right so yeah. before and, we get to uh Arya, let's just rewind it back to we saw Bran have a meeting with Littlefinger, and Littlefinger has uh, the, he gets the dagger, the Valerian steel dagger from the beginning of the series, which Littlefinger tried to tell Catelyn that oh this is oh, oh I recognize this uh, this is Tyrion Lannister's uh, dagger he must have given this uh, to the guy who was the assassin that starts the War of the Five Kings, and Littlefinger thinks he can play. A brand, but no, uh, it does not seem as though he finally found somebody that is not buying his crap. Yeah, listen, I, I, I need to talk to you about this because you, I feel, still one of Littlefinger's mm-hmm. biggest cheerleaders. And I feel like the only thing Littlefinger's good at is a sidelong glance. I don't think he brings much to the table anymore. I don't think he has any plan. I don't know why he would hand Bran this dagger back. Is he just trying to, does he really think that Bran is some simple minded kid he can just win over with a really shiny dagger? See, is that now, the thing? Littlefinger is, to me, the, the truest representation of the uh, political game going on in Westeros where there's all these other characters that are getting brought more and more into all of the supernatural elements. I feel like it's Littlefinger and Cersei are the two people that are really just wrapped up in only politics and nothing going on with anything supernatural, whether it's dragons, whether it's White Walkers. And so Littlefinger doesn't know what Bran has been up to. I don't think that he really buys into Greensight. And I mean, he he has no idea of Three-Eyed Raven. Uh, none of that means anything to him. He thinks like, okay, he was on some spirit quest. He's come back this hippie. Uh, maybe I'll just like uh, win some good favor with him, giving him, I happen to have this Valerian steel dagger that has some connection to him maybe he'll be like oh cool thanks little finger i appreciate that let me know if i could ever do you a solid (laughs) thanks bro 
Yeah, is that your Bill Walden impression? Yeah, Brand comes in from the cold, stumbling in like he's just been following the wa- the, the Grateful Dead, not the yeah, not, not the Walking Dead around. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Let's. Uh, I, I feel like you talk about politics. I feel like in quoting Marco Rubio and say, let's dispel once and for all with the fiction that Littlefinger knows what he's doing. I don't think he knows who he's messing with here. Uh, this is a really bad idea. Is this Rob? I just I have to ask because we we got the later moment, and I know we're going to talk about it. Where Arya gives a, a nice long look at Littlefinger standing and watching her uh is this Chekhov's dagger at this point for Littlefinger is this dagger going to come back to Littlefinger in a way he doesn't like later so could Littlefinger die at the hands of the dagger with which he really did I wouldn't say start the war of the five kings but did uh really start to get that snowball rolling down the hill I do think that that would be some poetic justice if that was the case. That was a big part of the early goings of the Littlefinger plan, uh, which I guess probably started with the murder of John Aaron. Yeah, and we know it did. And I think that that's the the question is, what does Bran know and does he care? And I think that the second part is certainly interesting because the first part, it seems like Bran knows everything. He watched creepy stuff with his sister. He knows about chaos as a ladder, which I think was Littlefinger and Varys in the room together. So he knows about these things that he has no business knowing about. And certainly Littlefinger's got to wonder because he's the one giving the speech to Sansa last week about being able to plan for everything and see all and know all. And here's a guy who can actually do that. So we're in a position where what else could brand possibly know about Littlefinger, but, but does he care like Littlefinger double cross Ned? He's the one who sold out the gold cloaks and joined the Lannisters and said, I told you never to trust me. Like he did all of this. He, he did all these things and he did plot with Liza Aaron to kill John Aaron. So there are crimes and misdemeanors that Littlefinger has committed that I think could come back to haunt him, but I don't think brand cares. Brand clearly already knows about that stuff, right? Well, he does give the line back to him chaos is a ladder and Littlefinger knows like wait I only said that that one time to Varys back in season three uh now yeah now you're quoting it back to me hold on a second how did you even know that you weren't there yeah have you been on Twitter what's going on here yeah, yeah. I uh I, I that's the thing is I look Bran probably knows all that stuff right but I don't think he cares so the matter the question is I guess is somebody going to get that information out of Bran is it going to come out in some other way is Littlefinger going to overstep and screw up I mean I do think once you bring this dagger back into the story and it ends up in the same episode in the hands of one of the biggest killers on the show that's gonna kill that dagger somebody's eating that dagger rob and it seems you're right the poetry would be in little finger eating it but i just don't know why i don't know why what what's gonna be the thing that's gonna come back and really be the thing that causes that to happen if it happens also of note uh, it is a valerian steel dagger they are at winterfell could end up somehow being part of the battle against the knight's king in the north as well. So I guess we'll have to uh, watch to see how that plays out. So that was sort of the setting the stage of Bran and Littlefinger. And so we first we get the Arya and Sansa reunion. And I think that there was some uh, potential speculation of maybe it would not go well. But uh, it ultimately ends up being a uh, somewhat warm reunion between Arya and Sansa. Multiple hugs, Rob. Multiple hugs. It was a, it was a decent little thing. I mean, they, they're certainly when they're, when they're meeting in the shadow of their father's bones, I don't think that it's, I, I think that it's not a thing that you want to see go badly at that point. I think the emotion was warranted in that scene. That certainly got me in the feels a little bit, finally seeing these two back together, even though they were never really on the same page. And when they, when they last parted, they hated each other. I think at this point, as they point out, they probably have more in common than they have different. They've both been through a lot to get back to this point and they're both pretty hardened and i think sansa rather than being terrified that Arya's kill list is probably real she's interested in it she's curious about it they both wanted to kill joffrey so these two sisters have a lot more in common now than they used to and i think that's great yeah we also got a second time this season where Arya says that oh well we, you know who else were you gonna kill who else is on your list and she mentions that she was gonna kill Cersei uh, that was another person and Sansa is laughing at that although I think that by the end of that conversation maybe Sansa realizes or at least certainly after the fight with Brienne that Arya is not messing around 
Antonio, do you think that it was interesting when they were uh, talking about the statue of Ned Stark and lamenting that the face was not done properly? That, do you think that there is some connection there between Arya, who literally is able to take the faces of other people and uh, recreate what they look like, and that the face of Ned Stark was not done right on his statue? Yeah, wouldn't it be terrifying if she could get in that statue somehow, get the face off of his like rotting corpse, put it on, and become Ned Stark? Ah! Like, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah, get out of my head. Terrible, terrifying thoughts. Yeah, yeah but uh, I, you're right. There, I made the connection. I thought, oh, Arya knows a little bit about faces, especially carving them. So yeah, this is. Uh, she certainly is observant in that regard. Uh, yeah, I thought that was a. There were definitely overtones in that moment. For yeah, sure. David Erickson says uh, the statue really does look <laughs> terrible. Was that just the writers trying to cover for the prop department of like, yeah, we did not ace the statue of Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. That's just like the the joke that that the hound made about Thoros is a uh, top knot, uh, really just a diss to the actor. So yeah, maybe they're just dissing their prop department. Like we could have done a better job here, guys. Yeah. Let's so do. okay. Oh, we didn't tell you. Uh, Bran is here also, Arya, but we didn't mention that he's really weird now. And so let's take you out there to go see him. But I felt like that Arya probably gets Bran in a way that Sansa does not after her particular experience. Yeah, I mean, Arya is no one. Bran is no one. Bran is certainly not Bran Stark anymore, but Arya wasn't Arya for a while. She was the cat of the canal. She was all these different things. She was a girl. So I think Arya knows a little bit about shedding your previous personality and having to be detached gets it. from the world around you. and. She gets it. Yeah. And that's and in a way that Sansa doesn't get. I mean, and that's uh, there is a little bit more of an understanding there. And she doesn't, I don't think, need from Bran the emotional support that I think Sansa probably wanted and needed. Yeah. And so Bran, I am finding frustrating so far this season, Antonio, because he is not telling people what's up. He can see everything. He knows everything. I know he's not Bran Stark, but I feel like that he is being less than forthcoming with the information that he has. Yeah, he's doing that less is more. He's being three coming. Yeah. That's less than fourth. Uh, he's being third coming. He's yeah. Dominique. He really is. Uh, he really is. Yes. <laughs> he's doing that less is more type acting where he's just not there at all. And yeah, that's what I was saying about Littlefinger. I'm sure Bran knows. I'm sure he knows every dirty thing that Littlefinger's done his whole life. He's watched every terrible sin he's committed. Uh, and yet I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares to real reveal any of this stuff. And I can see where his viewers, that might be a little frustrating to some people that you've got this guy, this Oracle who has all this information sitting here and he could be, he could give less than zero F's Rob about giving any of it out yeah i think that's always tough in fiction where you have an all-knowing character because they could basically wrap this up really quick and there's not really a good reason why bran is not sharing what he knows or at least telling us why he's not giving up the goods yeah and he he just he's he knows everything seemingly from the dawn of time. And I think he's probably, it's that Dr. Manhattan thing from Watchmen, Dr. Branhatton. I know I'm not the first person to say that, but it is that very much this, like, uh, I know so much and I've seen it all. So now nothing interests me because there is no element of surprise. There's no element of learning. I just know it all. And I need to learn how to see better. And I think part of that probably involves bringing some clarity to things so that he knows what's important and what to talk about. And I suppose if somebody is the brand whisperer, and they figure out maybe it's Arya. I mean, maybe we talked about like they have a connection. Maybe it's Arya who can get the information that is in, that is needed out of Bran. We sent Rob with very little fanfare. We sent Mira Reed out of the story. I suppose that's it for her. Yeah, that's a wrap on Mira Reed. I thought that maybe could be a love interest for Bran eventually. But I mean that, uh, you know, job well done, Mira Reed. Her and Jojen took Bran all the way up to the Three-Eyed Raven and uh, she got him all the way back. So... I guess mission accomplished for Mira Reed. Yeah. I mean, look, she had a fireside chat with the FDR brand uh, and the old Ironside sitting there in his chair with wheels uh, that the Maesters invented out of nowhere. And that's it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I, but she could have been the brand whisperer. She known brand since the, the through it all. She watched him become the three eyed Raven. They had a history and the fact that she wasn't able to get through to him and that he didn't care when she was leaving. And that that is something that 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 stone went unturned. And for me, it's I'm wondering, like, yeah, brand has all this information, but who's going to get 
get it. Like how? I wear if if Mira Reed isn't the candidate, if she's not the brand whisperer, I don't know who could be the brand whisperer. I don't know if there is a brand whisperer. I think that he's just going to be uh, like cryptic the rest of the way. And that's tough because this is a guy he, he did say in an earlier episode, I need to talk to John. So he clearly knows, okay, I know about your parents and I know that this is something I need to talk to you about. So maybe there's a connection there that comes out. I don't know why he feels the need to share that information and not other information that could be of import, like where armies are or what is happening with other characters, if they'll ever be attacked, what Littlefinger did, what other characters' motives may be that Bran knows in secret. But he does seem interested at least in talking to John about what he saw in that Tower of Joy flashback. So at the very least... It does seem like that is coming. So maybe it's John that occupies that. It also seems bizarre to me that he wouldn't know that Arya was coming to Winterfell. He's like, I saw you at the crossroads. I thought you were going to King's Landing. It's like, well, I thought you were all knowing. Also, why did you like you didn't see that coming? That was one thing you didn't see coming that Arya was going to end up at Winterfell. Yeah, if you could see past, present, future, maybe you can't see enough of the future to know. Maybe he's got, maybe his powers don't take him into the things that haven't happened already. He only got the one hacked episode, right? Yes, we exactly. Yeah, right. He's not got the full season scripts leaked. Uh, He needs to get deeper into that HBO leak, Rob. Okay. Now, speaking of Arya, we saw her have a amazing battle with Brienne, and we've talked for a while about how impressive Brienne is. As a fighter, one of the top swords people in Westeros, and Arya bested her, and it didn't seem close, Antonio. Yeah, you wonder, was Brienne holding back? At first, it seemed like she was a little bit. She I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt you. And then Arya was showing off some skill. And at one point, Brienne does kick her in the chest and kick her to the ground. But I, I do wonder, was that half speed Brienne? Was it 75% Brienne? Arya was using her left hand. like So there's some sparring. It's practice. It's not for real. But Arya did look like she she took Brienne on with a little with very little difficulty there, Rob. But we know Arya is a trained killer by like the best assassin school in the world. So I suppose it's not terribly shocking that that happened, but uh, certainly, certainly shook, certainly opened some eyes, I think, to Arya's power. Yeah, it was a great moment when Arya is asked by Brienne, who taught you? Who taught you to do this? No one. No one taught me. Yeah, that's no one. That's literally what they say. They say that you are (laughs) no one. That's why I said that. Yeah, no. Oh, you don't know. But this is a thing that they say to me. So I'm going to say it back to you. Yeah. So. I don't know if Arya was going, yeah, I don't know if she was going full speed. Uh, you know, she was using, like I said, that's her left hand. I think that is the, the hand that she usually uses. That seems to be what people are saying in the chat room, but I don't know. Obviously, she could have killed Brienne at any moment if she really wanted to. So, but I think she certainly turned some heads. And then the no one part was pretty great uh, because it's like, I'm going to play it close to the vest, but be on the nose at the same All time. All right. So a bunch of spectators watched that battle between Brienne and Arya, including Santa Stark, Littlefinger, and uh, a bunch of other people. So uh, who who was the most important person there? Was it Brienne to see that? Was it Sansa to see that? Or was it Littlefinger? Well, the one they lingered on was Littlefinger, for sure. Oh. We got a great sidelong glance from Podrick, Rob. We can't leave yeah. Pod Vader out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yes. yes. Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Littlefinger. And, uh, yeah. He, using his uh, Littlefinger uses sidelong glance. Mm. It's extremely effective. He did what he does best. Yeah, he just looked down at the proceedings. His hundred yard gaze. So I don't know. Maybe, yes, maybe Littlefinger. Maybe Littlefinger will. Maybe he's gonna. He's gonna certainly probably gonna take more of an interest in Arya now. And he saw the dagger. Uh, he saw her pull the dagger out. So he knows that it's made his way to her at this point. So I do wonder if Littlefinger sees a, a weapon in Arya. Maybe he can weaponize Arya in some way. And he sees something interesting there. If you want to give Littlefinger the credit that I know you love doing, Rob, that's a piece of information for him. And the piece of information that Arya Stark is a badass who can kill at a moment's notice. I think he might try to find a, a way to use that. Uh, and that's something that Littlefinger would certainly seem that that would seem in character for him to want to try to manipulate Arya. To what end, though? What? Where? Where is he going? What is the master plan? Don't ask plan? me to explain what you believe exists, and I don't, Rob. Like, I don't think <laughs> Littlefinger has a master plan. Uh, I think, I, as I said, I really think that his only plan uh, is uh, is is gone, long gone. Uh, Sansa said it a couple, like a couple seasons ago, I think, when she said, either you so, knew what was going to happen with Ramsay and you're my enemy, or you didn't know and you're stupid. And, like, either way, I, I don't think, he, we know he's never going to, it doesn't seem like there's any way back into Sansa's good graces. At this point, I feel like 
the thing he's most interested in is maybe trying to stick around and he hope that he can make his way out of the like barely a friend zone with Sansa. But I don't see that happening. So I don't know. Maybe he can find a way to, to weaponize Arya against. Maybe he has to make plan Z at this point, Rob, and try to weaponize Arya against the Lannisters. If he finds out about the kill list, maybe he's going to help Arya escape under the cover of darkness and go back to King's Landing. Maybe he's going to push her in that direction. OK, Antonio, we're down to just three episodes left in this Game of Thrones season. And first, we have to find out if Jamie Lannister is alive. That's the first priority. He's alive. He's alive. I can tell you that right now. That dude's alive. Okay. And then three hours to go, probably more than three hours, based on the reports that some of these episodes down the stretch here are going to be really supersized. But can you believe it? Three weeks from tonight, Antonio. It does seem like, I mean, what are we building toward this season? Rob, like, are we building toward, it seems like we're building toward the white walkers coming to East watch. The hound was going there. Tormund was going there. That's where John is worried about sending people. That does seem like something that's going to happen before the end of this half season, but what's going to happen with Cersei and what's going to happen with Jamie? Is Danny going to ride for the red keep by the end of this season? Is that what we're, we're building towards? I feel like that we have to really have uh, crossed one or the other in terms of like, do you feel like that is, is Cersei still in power at the end of season seven and the Night's King is still, you know, waiting to be dealt with? So you're saying the next season should be about dispensing with the White Walkers or dispensing with Cersei, but not both. I don't. Well, I guess it could be both. I mean, it's it's looking doesn't seem like either one of those threats is going to be neutralized in the next three episodes. No, I mean, look, we've seen the power of fire with the dragons at this point. We certainly know that that works. And so it does seem like we at some point in this series, we want to see dragon on White Walker action. But we also see that even now with three episodes to go, John and Danny are still at loggerheads in terms of bending the knee, supporting, going north, doing this, fighting the war. And so I don't know if we get the dragons north by the end of this season. I mean, I just doesn't seem like at least right now with what we've established that that is in motion. I don't think the forward motion is heading that way. If anything, I think the forward motion is heading towards King's Landing with Daenerys and taking her dragons there. Now that we've seen that they work and they did really well and she's she's won a major battle with them i think the forces are certainly building in that direction i don't know what could change in the next three weeks to turn her attention north unless that happens right away hear me out i think i have a unifying theory on all this so okay jamie lannister under the water incapacitated wakes up sort of that he comes to on the shore and he is being revived by the uh, by Tyrion and whatever you know Dothraki forces are there, and they convince him that to okay, look, we don't, we could wipe out the whole Lannister army. We don't have to. You could join us. Have Cersei bend the knee, and then you guys can retreat to Casterly Rock, and then Daenerys will sit on the Iron Throne. This is a great deal. Just go back to Casterly Rock. You and Cersei could be together. And then ultimately, Jamie brings this deal to Cersei and she is not having it. That sounds good to me. I mean, I, I do think that that is. And things Jamie- get heated. <laughs> they get lit, Rob. They certainly yeah. get heated. I mean, Jamie's going to be able to tell Cersei, I witnessed this with my own eyes. We have nothing. I mean, look, the scorpion kind of worked, but unless we quickly build about 20 more of those things and then we're able to put them in very strategic places, I suppose they could put them on the walls at King's Landing and hope to hold King's Landing. But that is literally all they would have. And at that point, I don't know what what's the real seat of power. I know it's theoretically King's Landing, but if Daenerys has the rest of the kingdom, Cersei is the queen of King's Landing only. Mm -hmm. So I really don't know that there's much power in her just holding King's Landing and nothing else. And Cersei. So I, I. yeah, okay, and Cersei could say uh, to Jamie, like, what? You're going to believe uh, our, our brother who killed our son? He's like, no, 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 about that. No, I got some other information while I was gone. He didn't do it. Yeah, and I'm not as on board with you guys as thinking that that's going to... He did still kill Tywin. And for Cersei, first of all, for Cersei, I, Jamie can tell her till the cows come home that Tyrion didn't do it. I think Cersei, on some level, already knew that Tyrion didn't do it. She she faked all the evidence. I mean, she was the one who paid Shay off to testify against Tyrion. She was building the Fugazi case against Tyrion anyway. So I think she knows that the case against him was hey, shoddy. That's at just the corrupt Westeros legal system. Antonio, they don't care. They just are looking for a conviction. They'll tamper with the evidence. 
Yes, don't trigger me, Rob. Don't trigger me. <laughs> I Zerchies. watched a whole yeah, Netflix that is, documentary uh, about this of making a poisoner. <laughs> yeah, that's what this really is. Cersei Avery was on was on the, the slab there. Yeah, uh, no, I I just think that Cersei, whether or not she believes, whether or not the Joffrey thing is off the hook, they know that Tyrion killed Tywin, and Tyrion is not running from that. And maybe Jamie, maybe Jamie can say, look. Tywin was always a piece of shit to you. He's a bad dad. I understand why you did that. Yeah, he had it kind of had to come. I don't think Cersei's going to okay. back down on that. I don't I don't see Cersei saying that. So I don't think that gets Tyrion. I don't think Tyrion's ever going to be off the hook with Cersei. And I honestly, per, I, I really actually don't think Tyrion's going to be off the hook with Jaime because Jaime's the one who let Tyrion go to kill Tywin. And I don't think Jaime okay. can forgive that. Let's take some questions from you guys. I want to open this up. So if you got some questions here before <laughs> we start to uh, wrap things up, uh, Michael wants to know will randall tarley ever respect sam that's honestly all i care about first sam free week of the season antonio yeah but plenty of yeah. dickin rob so uh we you know we've got dickin if there's no sam man randall tarley what no wonder sam is so craven rob like that guy he wants to beat the people to give the grain up like that's not a, that's not a great life i don't think growing up with randall tarley no he uh, also wants to flog the people that are sort of the stragglers that'll really help build morale around here Exactly. Like, yeah, he's wanting to just beat, just beat the stragglers into submission. Uh, this is a uh, Dickens seems like a decent kid though. Like he doesn't seem like a psychotic, like Randall Tarley. We saw Dickon lamenting his first battle and saying it was pretty harsh and he didn't feel good about what was happening and it smelled bad, Rob. Like, uh, so outside of having a, a, a laughable name, Bron just can't even hear it without cracking up. Uh, Dickens seems like a decent kid. So maybe, maybe Randall Tarley, even though he seems like the worst dad in the world, maybe he's really not that bad. Of okay. A dad. Kelly Lynch wants to ask uh, who will Braun side with now Tyrion or Jamie you know we were so focused on Tyrion potentially reuniting with Jamie that we re- forgot we were this close to a Tyrion and Braun reunion yeah, and then that's, uh, that would be great because the, the, we had that great kind of blow off scene between Tyrion and Bronn when Tyrion had asked Bronn to be his champion. And Bronn said, look, listen, your brother made me, a, your sister made me a really good offer. I got all this money. You would have done the same thing. I really like you, but I'm sorry I can't do this. And they parted on good terms. So I think like Tyrion and Jon Snow, these are people who existed in a good place before, and I think they can pick right back up. So when you are giving your grand unified theory about Tyrion rescuing James, Jamie bringing him back to health. Bronn could certainly play a part in that. And I think Bronn and Tyrion's connection certainly aids in the idea that Tyrion could really prevent Danny from doing further damage to Jamie and certainly to Bronn as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe he could be some sort of like a character witness where that Bronn you know, could testify, look, if he would have done something like this, I would have known about it, that I was his, uh, you know, I, I, like number two at that point in time. So I would have known if he was up to something like this. Uh, but Brett wants to ask, is Tyrion done making wartime decisions for Danny? She seemed none too pleased with him, especially when he was the bearer of bad news about Casterly Rock, Antonio. Yeah, she sees a lot of the Lannister in Tyrion, and that's not good for Tyrion. Even though the Lannisters don't see the Lannister in Tyrion, Danny certainly sees the Lannister in Tyrion. She's saying, like, it's your family, not our enemies, your family who's doing this. So she is uh, certainly scared of Tyrion, and yet they're scared, worried, I think, that Tyrion necessarily isn't on her side. But she brings Tyrion to the to the battlefront. He's there with her and the Dothraki. So I don't think he's fully on. She didn't put him on the bench, Rob. He's right there at the front of the battle. Antonio, this is from Nick D'Angelo. What's the point of the Iron Bank at this point? I felt like we got it last week about the Iron Bank, and then we saw Jamie with all of the gold from High Garden. She had a, Cersei had another scene with the Iron Banker tonight about how hey, well, well uh, we got a lot of gold now. So well, what do you want? And like, oh, well, it's too bad we can't charge you any more interest payments. Like, well, I guess we'll have to see if there's other ways we could work together. And where is this going? Do we have enough time for this sort of back and forth between the Lannisters and the, the Iron Bank? He said, basically, there, there was some discussion from Cersei tonight about hiring those mercenaries, the Golden Company, to come over from Essos. And these are, these are just all weapons for hire, mercs for hire. Uh, and they're maybe going to be, if Cersei loses a lot of the, the soldier support in Westeros and she loses a lot of the banners in the houses, 
maybe with this newfound gold and she can she's now paid off her credit line and can run up the debt again she will hire some mercs she's talked about it tonight so maybe that's the iron company connection they're going to help her hire mercenaries to come over from Esso, for Esso, from essos and fight this war for her that seems to be what the show is introduced at the very least i don't know mycroft holmes uh, seems impressed with cersei he seems very taken aback she he says like you're more efficient than your father which i thought he was a very efficient guy so he seems very pleased that uh, that cersei's going to give this money back but also very interested in finding a way to extend that credit line again and get her right back into debt this is from Carrie Graveline. Will the Hound reunite with Arya and help fight the White Walkers? Does the fact that Arya has the Valerian Steel dagger make you feel like that she could join the Hound in battle? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I Especially, think- uh, and, and again, here's one more unifying theory, uh, Antonio. Jon Snow said in the season premiere, we need everybody training. Uh, you know, men, women, children. And then Arya just demonstrated, wow, she could beat Brienne we need Arya Stark on the front lines versus the White Walkers. Yeah, that, you, you made a really good point that the Valerian steel nature of that dagger doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to have to end up in a character. It could She could use it to defend the realm. But that means that she's going to be in close quarters, tiny little Arya Stark with the White Walker. That's going to be something, if that happens, that'll be great to see. I'm going to be terrified the entire time that that's going down. I don't like the idea. I mean, how is she going to reach up to the neck of a White Walker? Those things are huge. So I'm a little concerned if that's what we see if we see aria on the front lines but i think carrie's question about the hound raises a good point because we see aria mention the hound like brienne i want to train with you because you beat the hound so she certainly thinks highly of the hound and thought highly of brienne for beating the hound and i think we all would love to see the hound and aria come back together that's certainly my favorite pairing i think in the history of the show so i i would love to see that reunite and whether she goes to the wall now or whether that happens later uh i, w- I would love to see those two together what if Arya stark kills the hound and then takes the hound's face, Antonio, and then fights White Walkers (laughs) as the hound, and then ultimately fights the mountain as the hound. It's Arya Stark. I was going to say, what if she she fights Clegane as the hound? Yeah, that would be great. Arya lives out the rest of her days as the hound. As the hound, <laughs> Alice Kidwell points out, she she actually thinks the hound is dead at this point. Like she thought she left the hound mm-hmm. for dead. So I mean, I guess Brand would know that the hound isn't dead. Maybe Brand could tell her, like that man you call the hound is actually at the wall. He's not mm-hmm. dead. Like maybe he could tell her. But uh, but yeah, I don't know how she'll find out that the hound isn't dead. I don't know who knows that 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 she could come into contact with. But I like the idea of a hound faced Arya. Yeah, that I would mean, be great. She could find another giant. That would also be great if she could then fight as a giant. Fantastic. Yeah stuff yeah okay. <laughs> where's one where's one one's face rob is it at winterfell somewhere i'm not sure i think that that might have also uh, gone to the dogs over at uh winterfell mm-hmm. all right uh antonio uh great stuff tonight uh so much fun to go through everything with you anything else that you want to mention from the episode no i just uh i am uh, i was uh, there's a lot of fan service in this episode a lot of things we've been cheering for and waiting on watching aria and brienne meet to get meet up and spar that was crazy the dragon blowing uh, you know actually flying and delivering the dragon napalm smells like victory to me rob that was great so even though there was a lot of fan service i feel like for me i, I was reader of the books first and I've just had to compartmentalize to enjoy the show on a different level. At this point, that's kind of what I want from the show. I don't know about you, but I'm I'm really happy to see these things happening on the show. Yeah. I mean, we are at a very fast pace. There's just not enough runway to get everything done that I think some people are hoping for. So I think we just have to sit back and enjoy the ride. Let the yeah, mystery the- be, Antonio. <laughs> Let the mystery be. Sit back and enjoy the dragon ride. Yeah, this uh, this was great. That, that's, that's right. I'm so glad that scorpion got burned up. I'm so I was already sick of the scorpion the first time I saw it. So it was great to see. Yeah, Get over it here. It went come here. Yeah, it was a fatality for the scorpion. Ultimately, I was really happy to see it uh, just get roasted like it did. It, look, you're you're going to be firing it in a smoky, ash laden death pit. You're probably going to not get the best shot at this dragon, and you have to hit it in the head to kill it. I know you could get a bunch of scorpions, but man, that uh, that seems like uh, the first thing that Danny's going to say is okay. So that thing almost killed me. Military plan A will be taking those things out wherever they are. Dragon shields they need. They need, and yeah, she, Danny needs better battle armor. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. She needs a damn helmet. They need to build her a dragon stone, uh, some dragon glass armor, Rob, something. They need to get her some, some better war yeah, gear. Yeah, a dragon sure. helmet at least. 
Yeah, Cersei's got those Legion of Doom spikes that she's wearing. Uh, so you'd think Daenerys could get some kind of uh, something going on here. Yeah, which one is she, Hawk? Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, I don't know. I forget which one. On, yeah, which one was an untimely demise, but that's the one I think most fans are hoping for, for Cersei. Okay, for I sure. was going to give the other one, but I think I was going to give all... Animal. Uh, yeah, okay. Animal, yeah. Give all demolition names like <laughs> yeah. Axe and Smash. All right, Antonio. Yes, yeah, Crush. Uh, uh, great job tonight. You can follow Antonio on Twitter. He is at AC Mazzaro, two Z's, one R. People are clamoring for your Cersei Avery hashtag. They like that. All right, Cersei Avery. That sounds good to me. That's, uh, I don't know. Who's Brendan Dassey in that scenario, Rob? Is it Tom? Uh, I mean, at one point, you would think it would have been uh, Lancel Lannister was kind of the, yes. the brand in there. And then he sort of like wised up uh, and then ended up getting involved with the Faith Militant. But yeah, yeah, he did get co- uh, coerced uh, <laughs> confession from Tyrion back in uh, season two. Yeah, that's a fair point. I think that's a good. I think Lancel is the Brendan Dassey. So that's all right. Good. Well, uh, job well done, Antonio. Uh, what else have you and Josh been working on? I think you guys have been uh, recording a bunch of stuff. Yeah, Josh Wiggler and I, after we finished our podcast about HBO's show, The Leftovers, we decided we needed to catch up on some other TV. So we've been doing some random one-off podcasts about seasons of TV shows that we've wanted to watch and that we've caught up on over the summer. The first one we did was <laughs> about the show American Gods, which is a stars show that's truly OTT, Rob. Very, very, very OTT, uh, but one I enjoyed a lot. We recently recorded and should post this week sometime a podcast about both seasons of sci-fi show Whoa. The Experience. Uh, and then we'll be we'll be uh, next week podcasting about the third season of Fargo, uh, which uh, is something Josh and I have podcasted about in the past. And uh, Josh really enjoyed the third season. I've yet to check it out, but I'll watch that and we'll podcast about that. Uh, we're we're kind of building up to where we can get back to once Game of Thrones ends. Game of Thrones ends. We'll be right into the build up to Mr. Robot, Josh. Mr. Robot season three premiering in October. And we'll podcast about that. All right. Here at well, show great stuff. I will be back together with Josh for the Game of Thrones deep dive on monday and then i'll get into all of your feedback with alex kidwell uh when i am back in los angeles on wednesday so get your feedback questions in you can email us got at postshowrecaps.com or send us a voicemail postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail and of course you can make sure you subscribe to the podcast to not miss a thing at postshowrecaps.com slash got itunes have a great night everybody take care bye